Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, distress and distressed restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CIMA markets. It's Tuesday, May the 24th. I am Giulia Rusconi. Today, I will be checking in with Robert Schasch, who will give us an update on the primary market, and we'll also discuss the latest restructuring plan to rescue Austrian packaging group Sure Flexibles. Magnus Sherman will give us an update on Naftogas in Ukraine and Russia's sovereign debt. Finally, Brian Conway will address the exclusions of specified asset disposals from asset sale covenant in high-yield bonds and leveraged loans and how it may impact bondholders and lenders. Hi Rob, what is the picture like in primary this week? Hi Julia, it's not good. The market has pretty much shut down again, with currently no new loans or bonds in syndication after Sweden-based B2B distribution services provider OptiGroup pulled its 515 million term loan B last week. OptiGroup was offering pricing of your rival plus 525 BIPs with an OID in the range of 94.95, which was pretty generous for B2B-rated credit, and a significant proportion of the books were thought to have been covered in pre-marketing. And while sponsor FSN Capital was largely unknown outside the Nordics, that was offset by relatively lender-friendly documentation it had to offer as a result. The deal almost got done after Leeds considered widening the OID from 94.95 to the low 90s, but they ended up pulling it after some accounts tried to push the OID down even further at the last minute. Mm, that doesn't sound great. So where does that leave the market? The shutdown in primary leaves banks in a tricky spot, since they may have between 12 and 20 deals on their books that they are still keen to offload, amounting to around 11 billion euros or more. But they will either have to take a hit or wait longer to syndicate the debt. At the moment, Banks are planning to try and reopen the market again after the Jubilee long weekend. Thank you, Rob, for the, the update. And since I have you here, um, you have also been following Insure Flexible, the Austrian specialty flexible packaging group that was accused, accused of fraud just five months after syndication. Basically, the shareholder discovered that there were accounting irregularities which inflated EBITDA and that the CEO had used the, the company's funds for his personal delight. We know Shore has launched a revised restructuring plan based on the counter-proposal put forward by um, a lenders committee led by Apollo. How does this proposal differ from the initial restructuring plan that was presented in May? Essentially, the Apollo-led committee felt that Shore needed more liquidity and that the initial proposal would have left the company still over-levered. Under the initial proposal, Shore would have received 75 million euros of new money Part of the senior facilities and supply chain financing lines would have been reinstated into a loan, and the remaining part would have been pushed up to the holding company level, with 100% of the equity going to the creditors. Under the Polo counter-proposal, Shaw will receive more money, in fact twice as much at 150 million euros. The senior facilities and the supply chain financing will be again partly reinstated, and the remaining part pushed into quasi-equity instruments issued by a newly created Topco, outside of the restricted group. So the operating company will be less levered than under the initial proposal. Lenders will receive equity in the holding company as well. So remind me, what leverage level are we talking about? Because uh, considering uh, EBIT at the moment, the, the leverage is in the double digit. So using the company's EBITDA forecast for 2023, net leverage at the OPCO level should come down to 4.2 times at closing from 9.2 times. That compares with around 5.6 times under the initial proposal. 
And how confident are we that the lenders will consent to the restructuring? The revised proposal has been agreed on in principle by the majority of the COCOM lenders, which are expected to backstop the new money facility. Sure targets a fully consensual deal and said if it does not receive 100% consent, it will implement the deal via an English scheme of arrangement, English restructuring plan or an intercreditor distress disposal. In terms of the equity, if the current shareholders are not supportive, Schur could resort to a German Starrug restructuring plan to force a share transfer. We should know more about the outcome in the next few days. You've also been following the company very closely. What are your thoughts on the restructuring? Yes, we're actually working on a recovery analysis to calculate how much the senior facilities lenders would recover from the syndication commitment and also from the commitment to provide new money. And we should publish the outcome tomorrow. Anyway, my takeaway is that if Sure performs as per the management forecast, the lender's recovery and their IRR is decent, but there are downside risks, especially considering cost inflation and the time lag to pass it down to customers. It's also quite difficult to predict EBITDA given that it was inflated historically and also was revised multiple times recently. And in general, the company's cash generation is weak and the company could easily burn cash if the performance doesn't go according to, to the budget. In that case, the recovery and the IRR for the, the lenders may not be that satisfactory. I have Magnus Sherman with me again today from our CMIA desk. And today we're going to talk about Naftogat, the Ukraine state-owned oil and gas company. What is the current situation with them, Magnus? Yeah, Naftogas is uh, facing a uh, bond maturity payment on July the 19th. Uh, the payment is for $335 million, and um, the bonds are currently quoted around 50. They were in the 30s last week. Um, the fundamental question here is uh, what the company will do, because it is, of course, a company. So you could take the usual uh, commercial route and call in restructuring advisors and then work on, on some sort of compromise. Um, but it's also a state-owned company, and and this, the Ukrainian state is still current on its uh, debt. So if you view this as, a, as an extension of the Ukrainian state, then you could assume that they will also continue servicing their debt and therefore pay these bonds in full, which um, at this discount would be uh, very lucrative, of course, for the, um, for the bondholders. Any company, of course, would need to find the cash to do this. It's still $335 million, um, and the company of course, has a lot of cash, but it's also uh, a capital-intensive business. Um, so it could lean on either the state or on foreign finan financial uh, assistance. Uh, and we're hearing some talk of a um, new EBRD loan, um, not specifically to target this, but to support um, gas purchases. Um, but it would, of course, put um, Naftogas in a better position. And I know there is a big deadline coming up for investors in Russia's sovereign bonds this week. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, this is uh, on the sovereign uh, side in Russia, where uh, immediately after the invasion started in late February, uh, OFAC in the US, which is the, um, the authority under the Treasury that um, launches uh, economic sanctions, 
they immediately banned U.S. investors from uh, holding sovereign bonds in Ru uh, Russian sovereign bonds. But then they also issued a waiver, uh, and that waiver uh, is about to expire tomorrow on the 25th of May. And so unless that waiver is extended further, that means that U.S. investors can't hold these bonds, and it will therefore be very tricky for Russia to continue servicing them and, um, and potentially lead to a, a sovereign default, which, of course, is... Um, a very hot political topic in, in Russia. Well, thank you for sharing, Magnus. Now, moving to our next topic. Brian, I understand that you've been looking at the use of specified asset sale provisions in leveraged loan documentation. What do you mean when you refer to specified asset sales? Well, we publish databanked articles on trends on topical issues on a weekly basis. And last week, we published a Covenants Trends article on the subject of specified asset sales. And this is a trend we've seen in recent years in acquisition financings, where borrowers and issuers can designate certain assets or parts of their business as specified assets or identified assets. And the proceeds from the sale of these specified assets are carved out from the standard asset sales provisions. So instead, there's a dedicated restricted payment basket under which some or all of the proceeds can be paid out as a dividend. Generally, this is subject to a leverage test and a default blocker. Many of the deals that included specified asset sales provisions required that the disposals are completed within a set time frame following the acquisition, typically a period of 18 to 24 months. Are you seeing any variations in the way specified assets are dealt with? Well, some of the deals identify particular assets or businesses that are earmarked for disposal. We've also seen deals where the borrower or the issuer was permitted to dispose of any assets representing not more than a set percentage of EBITDA often in the region of 20 to 25%. In addition, some deals didn't include a time limit for disposals. So these deals obviously provide a lot more flexibility for the credit, but it creates more uncertainty for lenders and for bondholders. How common is to see this feature? And do you think that this trend will continue? Based on searches in our market maker and representative loans database, there were specified asset sales provisions with the ability to pay dividends from proceeds included in 5% of European high-yield bonds and 7% of European leveraged loans in 2021. Although it was interesting to note that there was some successful pushback from investors on the inclusion of this flexibility in 3% of European leveraged loans in 2021. I think this is a feature we'll continue to see in loans and bonds going forward and that sponsors and borrowers will push to increase their flexibility in terms of the assets that can be disposed of, the time frame for disposal and the ability to pay dividends from the proceeds. Thank you for being with us, Brian. On the 14th and 16th of June, our team will be heading to Barcelona for the Global ABS Conference. The annual event provides insight into the latest trends and updates on regulatory developments, emerging asset classes, products and geographies. If you're also attending the conference and you would like to speak to the REORG team, email your account representative or marketing at reorg.com. More information on all of the situations and events discussed today in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next week for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.